Hello my friends and welcome to Take Me to Eternity once again where I try my hardest to filter the things that are in the world and coming into the church through the Word of God. Today's podcast I will be digging into Christmas. Why should we celebrate it? Should we not celebrate it? Why do we celebrate it? What's the point of Christmas? Some of you who know me well know that holidays are something I've struggled with. I have convictions over a lot of unholy things being called holy or being celebrated as such. So, of course, I have done a ton of research on it. So many people get mad when I talk about holidays, and I think it's for a good reason. I mean, I have the tendency to dig in and pull out stuff that no one wants to hear about. Nobody wants to know it. I can't just celebrate a day considering it's a holy day and then not look at where it comes from, especially when people give me pushback and say that it's not a holy day. You know, I want to know. Um, I can't not look at where it comes from or what it entails. So my conscience just, it, my conscience won't allow for that. And then in turn, it's forever ruined if it's something terrible or I get to a point where I can look at it and say, you know, it's not what people say it is, or, um, you know, I'm not worshiping another God, so God will be fine with it, whatever the case may be. But unfortunately, sometimes things get ruined and other people tell me about it. Um, I've been told more than once that I ruin everything by doing this, but... I just want to make sure that I honor God in what I'm doing and um, and I look into things because I would like to not be ignorant of um, things that I think I ought to at least know something about. So today I'm going to talk about Christmas. Christmas for a Christian is a very different thing than for anyone else. It's a day to celebrate our Lord Jesus Christ and his birth. While we know that he most likely wasn't born on December 25th, I really don't see what the problem is with us celebrating it on that day. And I believe that for reasons we will get into later, that it's actually probably somewhat close to that date. Um, if it's not that date, we don't, you know, we don't have a, a definite number, which is fine. Colossians 2, 13 and through 17 says, when you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day, things which are mere shadows of what is to come. But the substance belongs to Christ. And I think this has multiple important things in it, one of which is when we are celebrating Christmas, we're also celebrating the fact that, you know, our Savior was born and he is then going to save us. So without his birth, then we wouldn't have had his death. And that is part of our celebration, as we're celebrating 
God coming down and, um, and being born as a baby. I mean, how much do you have to humble yourself in order for being God to come down and live as a little baby, you know? Um, and then on top of that, it is, these are just a shadow of what's to come. And um, we're not to be judged for what festivals we celebrate. As long as we're not, you know, worshiping another God, then there shouldn't be an issue. We're here to bring glory to God and worship him. We're to do everything as if for him. And we will have eternity to worship him. I think it's a beautiful thing to celebrate the miraculous birth of our Savior, which always brings to mind for me, at least, for me at least, his life and his death for the sins of the world. To say that there are other holidays on this same day shouldn't take away from us celebrating Jesus. There can be different holidays on the same day and you can choose what you're celebrating. It doesn't mean you're celebrating all of them. As I've said before, you know, I can be celebrating my birthday on my birthday and that doesn't mean that if somebody else has the same birthday that I'm celebrating their birthday also. You know, we can choose what we're celebrating. There can be more than one celebration on the same day and it can be very different and one can be God-honoring and one could be not God-honoring, you know. There are absolutely traditions that are celebrated on Christmas that have origins in pagan cultures. If you feel convicted to learn about them and weed through them, I would say by all means do it. I mean, your conscience is telling you something for a reason. You need to dig in and see for yourself. Sometimes for me, I dig in and then I go, oh, okay, well, it's not what everybody says it is. And it calms my conscience because my, then my conscience knows, like, this isn't a bad thing, you know? But if in good conscience you can celebrate them knowing that you aren't dishonoring God, then it's also your choice. I'm reminded of when the Bible's talking about food sacrificed to idols. Essentially, the passage says, to eat the meat is simply eating the meat. God made the meat. For conscience sake only, don't ask where it comes from. I mean, if you were worried about, you know, if it was sacrificed to idols, for your own <coughs> conscience sake, or for the people that you're asking, you know, the people that you're eating it with, um, don't ask. If you're not partaking of the sacrifice, if you're not partaking in idolatry, then it really doesn't matter because it's a blessing from God. Just bless the food in the name of God and eat it and enjoy. It doesn't mean, however, don't ever look into things or overlook things when you learn about them because you don't want to have to quit doing what you want. I think it's important when we learn about something that may be dishonoring to God to like look into it and see if it is or not. Um, when it comes to worshiping God and not partaking in the worship of other gods, I do believe we have to be thoughtful and knowledgeable on what we're doing. Um, it's, I just think it's really important for us to know. And, you know, some people care, some people don't. That goes with our conscience. My conscience won't let me. Um, I have to know. I think it's important to dig in when you feel the need or even when you just have the question. It doesn't always mean, however, that we have to pick apart every single thing and freak out over it. Because believe me, I do plenty of this for everybody. God knows our hearts. 
and our intentions. And so many times you look into things and everyone disagrees with them or they all disagree with each other. And you can look at it and say, well, there isn't a clear teaching on this. So you pray about it and you let the spirit lead you as to what's okay and what's not okay. But I mean, that's where we have to trust God and that he is going to lead us and guide us. You know, we can ask of him and he can lead us and show us what he wants and what is right or what's not right. You just do it in good conscience and make sure that you're talking to the Lord about it. You know, we can ask the question, is Christmas biblical? And I think I can say no. Yes. (laughs) Are you confused? Because, you know, it's kind of confusing answer. There are parts that we have adapted that most assuredly should be thrown out. Some reconstructed or redefined. If something came from a pagan origin, that in itself doesn't mean we should have nothing to do with it. I mean, we need names for the weeks or the days of the week or the months of the year. We can't just throw all of those out and it's not dishonoring to God to say Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. You know, it's just, it's ridiculous. And we can also bring glory to God when we do something that honors and is glorifying to him. So if we ring a bell and sing a song of praise, that doesn't mean we're worshiping a pagan deity. And yes, the bell ringing is said to be pagan. Um, Again, it doesn't mean you're worshiping a deity. I mean, I, I guess it is. You're worshiping God, but you're not, you know, you're not dishonoring him or worshiping a different God. We just have to look honestly and weigh what is what we're talking about. Like, what is the thing that we're doing and um, what are my intentions when I do it? Because intentions really do matter. As Christians, when we celebrate Christmas, we are celebrating the birth of our Savior and that's beautiful. We should have more days when we sit and celebrate him and all he has done for us. Also, to do it on December 25th is fitting for quite a few reasons. We should be cautious of making it about anything but Jesus, though. Um, I think that's where the real danger lies. One thing I have found fascinating is that people always say that we could never know when Jesus was born, and that's partially true. However, we do know some things. I was listening to a historian talk about it, and he was saying we know Luke talks about Zacharias working in the temple, and an angel comes to Zacharias to tell him that John is going to be born, and it says that he is in the course of Abijah. Now King David, when he had the Levites set aside to do the temple duties, He broke them up into 24 family groups. Each group took two times a year to be in the temple and work in the temple. The tradition, (coughs) excuse me, has been largely through church history that Jesus was born on December 25th. And when the Dead Sea Scrolls were found in the 1950s in them were the courses of the different families in the corresponding Jewish month that different families worked in the temple. So now we know he was working in the temple. When I say through church history, I don't mean like, you know, in the Bible, it's going to be talking about Jesus was born on December 25th. But I'm, I'm just saying throughout history, um, 
that's that's what they have celebrated it as. The course of Abijah corresponded to our month of September, meaning Zachariah would have Zacharias would have been in the temple for Yom Kippur or the Day of Atonement. That would have been the end of September that he left. And it says after that he went home and Elizabeth got pregnant. Luke 1.5 says, In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And then Luke 1.23-25 says, When the days of his priestly service were ended, he went back home. After these days, Elizabeth, his wife, became pregnant, and she kept herself in seclusion for five months, saying, This is the way the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked with favor upon me to take away my disgrace among men. So then you skip to when the angel talks to Mary. It says, In the sixth month, Luke 1, 26-27 says, now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. So later on, it says, her, um, he says, your cousin is in her sixth month, talking about um, Elizabeth being pregnant. In Luke 1, 36 through 37, it says, And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month, for nothing will be impossible with God. This all gives us some very useful information. Later in Luke, just, um, I think it's two, yeah, two verses later, it says, um, now at this time Mary arose and went in a hurry to the hill country to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leapt in my womb for joy. I think it's pretty cool that we have um, just the evidence that we do for things that you can either draw a conclusion from or you can look at and find your reasons that you don't believe that it could possibly be this, that, or other. But that's kind of what God does though, doesn't he? He gives us enough information that we can go, oh, or we could go, mm, and he does that in a lot of different ways. So this was after Mary had been told that she was going to give birth to Jesus. Six months after Zacharias would have gone home would have been late March. The Greek Orthodox Church celebrates September 25th as the conception of St. John, or as we call him, John the Baptist. And March 25th is celebrated as the day that Mary conceived Jesus. This is the traditional church dating for the birth of Jesus, and it was only served to confirm it when the Dead Sea Scrolls were found. So it wasn't something that was like made up after they were found. This was something that was already the traditional day that they said what it was, you know? It was the, the traditional date used. 
So when the scrolls were found, they were just confirming what they already believed to be true. There are also other ancient Jewish documents that confirm the same thing. And I'm not saying that there's no way Jesus was born on another day. I wasn't there. I'm just saying that this is what history tells us. This is what different um, historical documents say. And it's easy to believe some historical documents, but then for some reason, other, other historical documents people want to throw out. They didn't celebrate birthdays then, and largely around the world, they still don't. So, I mean, just take it for what it is. I thought it was pretty neat, though, because when you dig in, you can find all of this. It's just accepted normally that Christians are always taking pagan practices and holidays. While it's true that sometimes that's true, that sometimes we're always taking, or sometimes we're taking um, pagan practices and holidays, um, it's not always true, and it's actually largely not true. We need to look into what we're celebrating as a holy day and not accept the fact that it's always us taking from the pagans. So many people say it's a new concept or stolen from the pagans, but it really isn't true. Though the pagans have celebrated around the same time, just like Resurrection Day, that doesn't mean that if you celebrate something on the same day that you're partaking in their celebrations. People say the winter solstice is what we're celebrating, but that's not even on the same day. That is generally celebrated the 21st and the 22nd. So, I mean, you're pulling for straws there, you know? So many talk about how cold that time of year would have been and depict snow on the ground and such, but you'd have to look at where they're talking about because climate does matter. <laughs> it changes some things, you know? We can, however, be careful when we celebrate to not celebrate with vain traditions, not celebrate things that are not godly or God-honoring. And I'm going to piss some people off with this point, so just bear with me. When we celebrate Christmas or any other holiday for that matter, we can look at what we're doing and ask, is this God-honoring? Some things, to me at least, seem blatantly dishonoring, or at least taking the view off of God and placing it on something else, which could be considered idolatry. Um, this view has come painstakingly, I have to say. A lot of deep, agonized prayer and years of digging into the Bible and origins of things have brought me to the place where I am today. And um, I'm not saying I know all the things or that I am always right on everything. One of the things that I uh, have a really big problem with is Santa. And I have prayed about it and I have dug in and this is why. When I was little, I never believed in Santa. My parents made sure that I knew Christmas was about Jesus and his birth. Our day was centered around Christ and keeping our eyes and praise towards him. When I got older and had my own kids, I had the convictions of not wanting to, them to believe in Santa and the influence from others who convinced me it was not just okay, but terrible if I didn't allow them to believe in him. It was like I was robbing them of something if I didn't do Santa in my house. I really struggled with that inside. As my kids got older, I struggled more and more. I don't want to lie to my kids. 
I don't want them to look at me and not trust me. Um, and I don't trust people who lie to me. So, so I would deflect questions and I tried really hard to avoid Santa as much as possible, though it really isn't easy during Christmas. It came to a point where I dreaded, um, I dreaded those conversations because I didn't want anything to do with him. He just gets pushed so hard. He's everywhere. He's on everything. It's like the main focus, and I have a really bad time with that. I brought my kids to see Santa at the mall because that was something you were supposed to do, I was told, and they didn't like it. They were terrified of some stranger holding them for pictures. Why do we subject our kids to that stuff? Like, seriously, what is the point of that? I mean, I'm not judging any other parents out there or what you do, but I just, I know that there's other mamas out there who have the same convictions as me and understand that feeling of like, why am I putting my kids through this? When people teach their kids about Santa, it becomes Santa-based and the focus is taken off of Jesus nine times out of ten. Even the people who seem to say it's just a small part, take him, like make him such a big deal that at least to me it looks like Santa worship instead of Jesus worship or splitting it between the two, which is still completely awful. About six years ago, I started digging into my Bible regularly. I started actually searching and studying to see what it said about life and how we should and shouldn't live, and that began my journey of seeking to find what was behind holidays such as Christmas, Halloween, and Easter. I've done podcasts on Easter, which I did with Jesse Goss with Truthfully Awkward, and I just recently did one on Halloween. Um, so... You could find those if you would like to see what my views were on that. But Christmas is another one that I would like to take a look at. So before I get into Santa Claus, let's talk about St. Nicholas. St. Nicholas is not to be confused with Santa Claus, though many do, and some even say that it's him who was modeled Santa after. You know, people say that we've modeled Santa after St. Nicholas. But... There are a lot of reasons why I think that might only be a half-truth. I bet he would be aghast at what they have made him into. I have pictured him shaking his fist at the perversion of himself that people have made. Though a cult-like group did form around him later, like after he was dead. Um, and it, apparently it has grown since, which is a trip. Not saying anything bad about him, I didn't know him, and pretty much everything is hugely disputed when it comes to his life. St. Nicholas of Myra was an early Christian bishop of Greek descent from the maritime city of Myra in Asia Minor, or modern-day Turkey, during the time of the Roman Empire. Very little is known about him historically. The earliest accounts of his life were written centuries after his death and contain many legendary elaborations. There are a lot of things said about him, but really not a whole lot known about him other than he was said to have a very big, um, he was very big on helping. 
and he was very wealthy and they said that he had a um a christian sense of morality he claimed to be a christian i'm not saying he's not i'm just saying i didn't know him i wasn't there so i'm not putting anything on him all of these things are weirdly disputed um I really don't feel right going into his life simply because how hugely everything's disputed and in the end it really doesn't matter um, who he was. I mean, it matters who he was, but what pertains to this conversation is what did they make him into? <clears throat> it's said in his life he didn't want the glory of helping people, he wanted God to get that glory. So, for what they've done in his death, it kind of goes against how he lived. When we look at Santa Claus, who some call Saint Nicholas, we see a magical being. Though there are some things attributed to him that are similar to Saint Nicholas's story, people have morphed him into something that to me is absolutely despicable. For years I've struggled with accidentally calling him Satan. When I speak about him, and truthfully, I think it's just my heart coming out. Um, I think that's just how I view him. It's just like Satan's thumbprint on the distortion of what he's come in, ter been turned into. <clears throat> and um, it's actually kind of disarming when you say that to a kid, you know. Um, it's something that I had to be very careful of. I still have to be careful of when I talk about him. Santa Claus is many things. And there are a lot of legends as to where he came from. It actually seems that what we know today is a mash of a lot of them together, which when you look into it, it can be really disturbing. There's certain things that are, um, there could be some pretty disturbing connections. I listened to a video from Justin Peters and it was after I had done a ton of research so when I heard him say some of the same things that I had also conducted or concluded, it was kind of nice to see that I wasn't the only one. And I'm not saying I agree with everything he ever says or the entire video in a whole. I'm just saying there's some really good stuff in there. So I'm going to link the video in case anyone wants to watch it. He does a way better job of me um, for sure and lays out a lot of dis different places that when we put together form who we know as Santa Claus. Um, a lot of them are really dark and demonic and nasty to say the least. But instead of digging into that and making this a 14-hour podcast, I'm going to go about it slightly different. Let's look at who they say Santa is and why I have a problem with that instead because or origins do matter. But in this point, who they made him to be, to me, matters more, you know. It's, it's uh, more relevant to why I have a problem. Um, I haven't seen very many people talk about this. Justin Peters does, but I, I haven't seen a whole lot, though obviously some have. Santa Claus has many attributes. So many of them are attributes that only God himself possess, and to me it's really abhorrent to say that anyone else has those attributes, especially some made-up person that people tend to worship at Christmas time. And I'm not saying 
if you have them in your house, if you talk about them, if you teach your kids about them, you're worshiping them. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that some people do. For people who aren't Christians, it makes sense that they would have idols throughout the years, that throughout the year to lavish the affections on. But for Christians, it kind of boggles my mind to see how much emphasis and excuse many of them make for Santa, how easily they accept him as good and tailor their Christmas around him without thinking twice about it. Again, no con condemnation. This is something that is my conviction that I'm just letting you know this is why I have a hard time and this is what I believe about him. When listening to my podcast and listening to Justin Peters, you'll see a lot of similarities because these are the conclusions after much digging that many come to. It's amazing how when we do enough research with prayer, some conclusions are made by a lot of people, not everybody. How one man's convictions can also be another's. Not in every instance, but in many. Santa is said to be non-changing. He's supposedly completely predictable, always healthy, unaging, and completely predictable with what we can expect him to be doing. But that's something that only God is. Humans can't help but to change every minute. We age, we get sick, we get tired, and we aren't perfect. No human is. But Santa is said to be perfect and never changing. God's the only one who is perfect. Jesus Christ, the only human to ever live the perfect life, is God himself in flesh. The only one who doesn't make mistakes. But, you know, then they say Santa is the one that judges. I know that Santa is a fabrication. I get that he isn't real. So why does it make me so mad? Why make such a big deal out of something that's fictitious, an image? But what's an idol? It isn't anything. It's something made, and we aren't to worship idols. It's a graven image. People worship idols all the time. Are they real? No, they're not real. I don't think, I don't think everybody who worships an idol looks at it and says, this is a fake thing, and I don't believe in it, and I don't believe they all think that they're worshiping him either. Um, but I think that he can be an idol, and I think in a lot of cases it is. The 1828 Dictionary says, An idol is an image, form, or representation, usually of a man or other animal, consecrated as an object of worship, a pagan deity. Idols are usually statues or images carved out of wood or stone or formed of metals and particularly silver or gold. I mean, we can look at idols and say an idol can be um, our children. We can Id idolize our children. We can idolize money, you know, our, our spouse. There's a lot of things that we can make an idol out of. Um, an idol is an image. It's a pretty simple explanation, an image. You know, it could just be an image of something. An image of what? Does it matter when it takes God's glory? When we worship it instead of him or give, give it what is due to God, you know, it also says it's a person loved and honored to adoration. It's anything on which we set our affections that to which we indulge 
an excessive and sinful attachment. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. An idol is anything which usurps the place of God in the hearts of his rational creatures. And I think many times um, that's what we're doing to our children. And um, we may say it's all in good fun, but, you know, our children don't know better. And um, we could be causing them to stumble. So the, the last is a representation. If we as Christians are celebrating Christ being born, that should be the focus. We give gifts out of remembrance of the wise men giving gifts to Jesus or God giving good gifts to us. Our focus should be on him. And truthfully, I have no room for Santa. Again, I, I did Santa with my kids. Both my kids believed in Santa. I'm not saying I'm better than anybody else or that, you know, I have always had it all figured out. Um, but man, now I have such a big problem with it more than I did while I was teaching my kids, allowing it in my house or, you know, however you want to say it. Our, sh our focus should be on him. And truthfully, I have no room for Santa. It makes me angry when people put God's attributes on anyone else. And I can't condone lying for fun. It teaches our kids a lot of things. One of which is that lying can be considered okay. That God isn't wholly unique or holy. I mean, think about that. To lie to our kids and teach them that there is this other person that has all these attributes. Um, that takes away from them knowing that God is the only one, you know. He's a jealous God. You know, he, he doesn't care about, he doesn't want us to put our affections on any, anybody else. We as parents need to be trustworthy. And when we lie to them, in my opinion, it teaches our kids that we're not always trustworthy. When my 12-year-old knew that Santa wasn't real a while back, I mean, it was a while back, I asked her, how did you know that Santa wasn't real? It's actually a question I've asked both of my kids because I just think it's interesting to find out the answers. She said, every time that I would ask about him, you would change, change the subject or tell me to ask someone else. Um, she said, you always answer my questions, but you didn't even want to look at me when I would bring him up. I got to say, it made my heart really happy to know that my child knew me well enough. She knew I wouldn't lie to her. And when I wouldn't um, talk about him, she knew that there was a problem. Because I talked to my kids about everything. Our kids should be able to trust us if no one else there's no such thing as a little lie or a white lie. They're all lies, and we shouldn't teach our children that they're okay in any capacity. Okay, enough ranting. Back to Santa. Santa is said to be eternal, but that's an attribute of God alone. The fact that while they're coming while they were coming up with Santa, they decided to give him all of these characteristics, it's not ironic. Once again, we have a figure made to look so much like God, yet he isn't. 
People put him into a place to be worshipped and honored. When teaching our kids these things, we're teaching them to give glory to one who isn't God. And isn't it um, interesting that he was made up and put in on a place of honor in a place that we're supposed to be worshiping Jesus and his birth? You know, somebody to take that glory, the affection. Of all the traditions of Christmas, I really think that for me, Santa takes the cake. He's the one that I am non-negotiable non with because of what he represents. Though that's a more recent understanding for me as to be able to articulate it. Again, I made a huge mistake when allowing my kids to be taught about Santa, and I feel terrible about that. I was part of that, and I have repented because I believe it's grievous. He represents a place of glorification for something vile, something that tries to take the place of God in many ways. To me, Santa has the thumbprint of Satan all over him. The many traditions from all over the world all accumulated into and, in, and morphed into an idol to be embraced by the most innocent of all, backed and vetted by the parents. Packaged as beautiful, happy, wonderful. Idols aren't anything, but when people worship them, they're worshiping demons. And again, I'm not saying if you do Santa or whatever that you're worshiping demons. I'm saying um, there are people who absolutely put Santa in the place that Jesus is supposed to be. And um, that's idolatry. 1 Corinthians 10, 14 through 23 says... Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men. You judge what I say. Is not the cup of blessing which we bless a sharing in the blood of Christ? Is not the bread which we break a sharing in the body of Christ? Since there's one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. Look at the nation Israel. Are not those who eat the sacrifices sharers in the altar? What do I mean then? That a thing sacrificed to idols is anything? Or that an, that an idol is anything? No, but I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to become sharers in demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake at the table of the Lord and the table of demons? Or do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? We are not stronger than he, are we? All things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful, but not all things edify. And I think it can be another stum stumbling block for people, you know? Just because it's not an idol to you doesn't mean that um, in promoting it as a Christian, you're not promoting something idolatrous to someone else. And I know there's a lot of things that we can say that about or, you know, go overboard with, but it is something we need to pay attention to. If our struggle isn't against flesh and blood, as Ephesians 6.12 says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places, then we know that our struggle is spiritual. 
We also know that Satan and his minions disguise themselves as angels of light. So it would make sense that they would grow our affections through things seemingly innocent. I'm not saying that if you do Santa with your kids that you are purposefully worshiping him. Or that you are in any way intentionally teaching your children to worship him. But our affections ought to be for Christ above all. And to teach our children that truth matters, purity matters. And I think the reason I had a hard time with it to begin with is because I was taught truth as a child. I was taught that it was about Jesus. It wasn't about Santa. Um, you know, when, they tr when you train your kids up properly, they know. And it's harder to depart. It's harder to not um, feel your conscience tugging at you when you're doing the wrong thing. When you know right. God is the giver of all things good. He gives us good gifts and gives abundantly out of his goodness. He's our provider. He's our helper and hears us when we call out to him. Santa is said to be all of these things or is depicted as such in the movies and songs that are, are out about him. He knows when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows when you've been bad or good. This is a perversion of God. God knows all things. Who knows a man's heart but God and the man? God, even to a greater degree. God's the judge and rewarder. When we say, be good for goodness sake, Jesus said, who is good but God? He said, no one's good but God alone. Paul said, there is none good, no, not one. When we sin, we sin against God who is holy and holy good. We are to be good because otherwise we're sinning against someone we love and respect, someone we honor and want to live in a way that pleases him. Another thing is that it's depicted that Santa can change himself and morph as the situation permits, that he's not conformed to space or time, but that it's that's only true of God. God's the only one that's not conformed to space and time. You see what I'm getting here? Like, do you see, like, the point that I'm making? It's not just a, a random, you know, I just want to be mad about Santa. Like, I have reasons why I distrust and don't like Santa. Um, I get that I have really strong feelings towards this, but do you at least see why? Or where my conclusions came from. You don't have to agree with me. There are a lot of things that you can look at with Christmas. A lot of individual things that we do that could be rooted in pagan origins. But for me, truthfully, the worst one is taking the idea of a fictional character. Or as some would say, a man who once lived and bestowing God's attributes on him plastering his so-called face on everything and giving him the glory that God alone deserves. Everything that I own is God's. It's all from him. The money my husband makes is because God has so graciously put him in that position at his place of work. He's given him the ability and strength to do it. He provides the work to keep the company going and the house I live in and the car I drive, the food I eat, it's all to the glory of God. Because he puts all things into play for me to get it. He, he has created everything and he puts everything into play so that 
we can have the lives that we have. Every present that I buy my kids is with God's money because God's the creator of everything and the giver of all good things. Therefore, I must be thankful and grateful to him for the things that he does for me and that he allows me to do for others because he gives us good things so that we can help others with good things also. To tell a child that Santa gave them anything is really wrong in my opinion. I mean, it, it just is. And um, it was wrong when I did it, and I think it's wrong when other people do it. When we look at all of the things combined that we speak of with Santa, we can see that all these attributes that he has been given, that only God has, and is equating him with God. Justin Peters in his video said, I know that no professing Christian would ever dream of consciously ascribing to Santa the attributes of God. The problem is not so much that we wouldn't do this, but that it was already done. We're just agreeing with it. That's, it's just a really true statement, you know? We're, it's not that we're ascribing anything to him, it's that he's already been ascribed these attributes and we're saying, yeah. We're to be looking at everything and holding up to truth to see if it should be kept or thrown out. The Bible's our plumb line. It's our way of looking at the world, the worldly things and saying what's acceptable and what isn't. There are so many times that we can look at the Bible and say, well, it doesn't directly say anything against this one. But when you know it well, and we ought to, we can see how it can speak against things without actually calling it out by name. Yoga is wrong because it's demon worship. The Bible never says anything about yoga. Jesus is God, but he never said it in those exact words. God is a trinity, though the word trinity was never used. Abortion is wrong, but the word abortion isn't in the Bible. We can look at these things and upon examining them say, okay, I see that there's a problem. But we have to look at them and look at them with a mind of like, what would God want and not necessarily what do I want? We have to look at them with an open mind to find truth over feelings or tradition or anything else. To spend that much time focused on any person and not God, it's a problem. To give him so much credit where credit isn't due is hugely wrong. Lying to children and deceiving them is a really big problem to me in itself. And in these things, we have to ask where the godly part is, or even the God-honoring part of Santa. Like, what part of Santa honors God? I know people make excuses, giving gifts, and this and that, but... I mean, we can excuse a lot of things, but this one just doesn't... I don't get it. I've heard people try and twist Santa to try and excuse it, but it never works for me. Um, I mean, it may for you, you may be fine with it, but this is just, I'm just letting you know what I believe. We're called to seek God in all things, to not adapt to the things of the world, but to stay pure and glorify God only. We're to be a light to the world, reflecting God's goodness and love on others and purity. We're supposed to try and be pure. We're supposed to try and be holy as he is holy. Yes, we're sinners. Yes, we fall. But we need to pick ourselves up or allow God to pick us up and, you know, 
keep trying. We're not allowed to just give up. We aren't supposed to allow idolatry into our own hearts and lives. And we are to teach our children how to not be overcome by sin and not to be a part of the things that aren't of God. I just put out a blog on is truth important? And I think truth is the most important because without it, we couldn't possibly have faith or love or honor God and we wouldn't have God because God is truth. We couldn't trust. How do you trust without truth? I know that I have titled this podcast Christmas, Should Christians Celebrate It? But really, I think it's more important, Santa, should we tolerate him? There are a lot of things that could be picked apart with Christmas. And to a point, I think they should be. I mean, the biggest for me is dealing with the subject of a deity made out of a fat man with the attributes of God and taking the focus off of God and putting it on him. Idolatry is wrong. It's hugely wrong. There's a reason um, the first command commandment is, you know, we should have no other gods above God. And I really do believe that this is idolatry to many. I mean, I also have a problem with idolizing the tree. That's another issue. Uh, I'm not saying Christmas trees are wrong because the pagans, I mean, they, there's a back and forth thing. Pagans used oak trees from everything that I can gather except for some weird sources. Um, they used oak trees. We don't use an oak tree. You know, we don't idolize it. We don't bow down to it. We don't worship it. Except... I have a problem with that, with completely taking the fact that it is argued that it comes from pagan practice. It's quite literally doted on and seemingly worshipped. <laughs> so many people would argue with me about this, but I was listening to Christmas music with, again, my 12-year-old. And when Oh Christmas Tree came on, we both said, ew. Why in the world would you sing to a Christmas tree? If that's not worship, I mean, like, what is, you know? You may not feel like that's what you're doing, but that's where we need to pay attention to what we're saying and doing and start thinking about it deeply. I know God does. Not saying it's wrong to have a Christmas tree. Just don't sing to it or bow down to it. Next time you listen to... Oh, Christmas tree, like, think about, like, the words of the song, because it's pretty creepy. Um, I know people think I'm going too far with these things, but when you start to look at what God says was idolatry in the Bible, you start to see it in everyday life. Like, I mean, when you pay attention to it. Not that people haven't read the Bible and don't know that it's there, but, I mean, if you pay attention and you, like, look for... Like, what would be idolatry in our day and age, you know? When we're paying attention, that's the key to pay attention and actually call it what it is. God says over and over again, don't learn the ways of the pagans. Don't do what they do. That's the whole reason he said not to intermarry with them. Because every time people took wives from pagan peoples, they would soon be pulled astray and start worshipping them also. I mean... Solomon is a huge testament to that. Solomon getting pulled astray by his wives to worship um, and, you know, their gods. That's just mind-blowing when you think about it. 
If our struggle is against demonic forces, then any false religion is backed by demons. Everything that takes God's place in our hearts is wrong, and God is the one we are celebrating, not a tree and not Santa. I don't believe that celebrating Christmas is wrong or pagan, but that's only if we're actually celebrating Christ and not made things. Where's your focus on Christmas? What do you talk about the most and put the most emphasis on? What are we promoting to the outside world? We have freedom in Christ, and if you celebrate with Santa, it doesn't affect your salvation, but I do think it isn't honoring God either. Satan and his minions hide as angels of light. They look sweet and kind and loving in so many instances. He looks as much like God as he can without actually leading you to God or being God. The more to trick people with. When you look at different religions, you can see so many commonalities, so many things that would make people who didn't know better think they had the real thing, while at the same time dragging them into self-idolatry or idolatry, idolatry of made things. When they go to worship the created and not the creator. When we partake in pagan practices, we put ourselves in the position to be exposed to demonic influences. That can put us in a place that can harm our spiritual walk. Santa's not real, but when we look at where he comes from and who he is, we can see the problems in using him to any capacity as Christians. When taught about Santa, children see him as someone trustable, someone magical. They want to please him, and they fear what will happen if they don't in a lot of cases. Not all. Children talk about Santa anticipating him coming. They lay awake at night, not being able to sleep, waiting for him. Who do they talk about the most when it comes to Christmas? What do they emphasize? What do you emphasize? Our children can know it's about Jesus, and to them it seems to be just something known, but the real excitement is Santa. Isn't that a problem? Like, I know for me it is. I was so glad when both of my kids stopped believing in Santa. Like, it was really relieving. <laughs> it was relieving to me, and it sparked a lot of conversations. My youngest daughter said she knew Santa was not real because St. Nicholas died and only God can live forever. And I'm so blessed that she knew God was bigger than Santa, but I think in some cases, Santa is more real to kids than God. Like, like he's almost tangible, you know? They get presents from him, and they get to go see him at the mall, and it's, it's something that they can understand on a experiential level in a way that they don't necessarily experience God. The question... In celebrating Christmas, what's the focus? What do you promote and why? Does God approve? Those are the things we ought to think about. We should care what we're promoting and doing and such, but it takes real research to find answers. Not a quick look on Google. It's really easy to find bad information. We need to look into people who study these things in places that talk about historians' understandings of things and, you know, historical documents, what they say, what's written throughout history. The tree that pagans worship was not the same kind of tree, and as long as you aren't worshiping the tree, it's just a symbol of Christ. 
Its tri-corners represent the Trinity, and the wood represents what Christ was nailed to, to take away the sins of the world. The lights can be traced back to the lighting of the menorah. The presence can be linked to the wise men bringing gifts to Christ. There are some things like Santa that once started as a man doing a good deed, and like nasty humans, we've turned it into something gross and deplorable. We are to put nothing above God, and that for me includes how I celebrate. I pray that you are edified by this episode. I pray that you look into this stuff for yourselves. I left a couple of video links in the description if you want to hear some on the topic, though there are many others that you could find. I mean, there's a lot of them out there that are just like them. I love you, my friends, and I, I hope that you guys have a very Merry Christmas. Please just do it in a way that is honoring God. Um, you know, make sure you're loving the Lord and making him the emphasis of everything. Enjoy your families and your friends. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you humbled by you once again. I pray that you filter me, Lord. Help people to be lifted up and help them to hear you in what is being said. Please help us to honor you with our words, thoughts, and actions. I'm so thankful for you and your guidance. Please bless the people listening and help us to seek you with our whole hearts. Please continue to guide us through your word that we may know you better. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.